Hello and welcome back to Crow Inference Guide to Weird Fiction, Folklore, Mythology, and Everything in Between. Today is definitely a folklore day <laughs> with me, Fern, and... And I'm Crow! That's me. Crow! <laughs> If you've been paying attention to the news, or maybe you've even been living it, there have been some absolutely crazy snowstorms blowing through. That's what we're dealing with. Meanwhile, my compatriot the crow has literally never seen snow. Never. <laughs> never. I have literally never seen snow. Ever. But I've heard of it, and I don't want to see it anymore. She is a snowless child. No snow. No snow for crow. I am a snowless child with no snow. So for those of you who have too much snow and for those of you who have too little, I thought we'd do like a little bit of a snow folklore day. We're going to do a snow-related entity and a lot of snow lore. That's folklore about snow. And I literally just made that up. (laughs) She is the queen of puns. (laughs) <laughs> Other autistic people, throw your hands up. I will fight you. For I believe her my family. I don't think I was naturally inclined to puns, but I have one brother who was relentless with them, and somehow it has become ingrained in my culture. <laughs> sadly. Sadly. No, it is sadly. I'm not sadly. I'm not thrilled about it. it. <laughs> I can't stop myself now though. Can't stop. Can't stop it. Won't stop. <laughs> also, also, this is gonna be our last episode for twenty twenty two, even though we started like basically two months ago, so but still you have to say something to the people, maybe after the episode is over or right now, whatever you want. Oh. I hadn't yes. even thought about that. I guess that's true. Well think about it. I guess we are going to bring 2022 to a close with some snow-related death. Uh, <laughs> brace yourselves. <laughs> we would not be Crow and Fern's guide if we didn't close off the year with snow-related death. Indeed, indeed. Okay, so with that introduction, it's music time. Okay, so today we are going to be talking about Yuki Ona, a yokai. Her name literally means snow woman. For anyone who's unrelated to yokai, it it is a Japanese class of supernatural beings. Some of them are like more like normal folklore creatures, and some of them are more spirits, almost uh, ghost-like in nature. There's a huge, huge range of how they can appear. It can be everything from like giant spiders that weave webs of delusion, or to like something that literally licks the grime off of your bathroom if you don't keep it clean god i hate that one so much (laughs) for some reason that one has like been ingrained in my memory and i will never ever ever forget it (laughs) because it's so fucking gross like i love you japan and i respect your culture absolutely nothing related to that but that particular thing like folklore from pretty much everywhere has something gross Of course, have you, like, if you take a look at, like, Arabic folklore, you need to do an episode on that one day, please. I might. Because holy shit, 
holy hmm, unholy shit yeah, that would be gross. With demons. Folklore in some regions of the world is more focused on like demons or ghosts or you know different kinds of things. It it varies a lot from place to place. You're the one who brought up the dude who likes to lick floor tiles, so it's it's true. That's an example of yokai. There are so many. Yeah. There are so many different types. It, it's really quite creative. If you want to kind of yes. get a feel for all of the many different types of yokai, I would recommend Japan Demonium, which is a translation of the Encyclopedia of Yokai, which is a very very old transcript. It it has illuminations. Sorry, I'm using manuscript terms. It has illustrations of of yokai and the a whole whole big list of different types and it, it's really interesting actually i was i looked up the illustration for yukiona before doing this and saw spooky uki woman who was snow related which is exactly what i was hoping for so it's perfect <laughs> anecdote i need to tell them okay tell them I your anecdote gonna... I was gonna buy Fern that book for her birthday and then coincidentally she mentions in a conversation that oh I'm so excited I finally found this book and I bought it and I was like oh fuck that's true <laughs> now it, what do I get I looked for that book for a long time before it got translated it turns out yeah. it's mostly illustrations anyway but, but I'm still really excited to have a translated copy <laughs> it's it's exactly. really good as soon as I found out that it was actually finally translated I was like must buy right now how do I get this in my hands like yesterday and now I have and it and it. that is the happy end to my story about that book <laughs> It's not very happy for me because I had to think of something else. <laughs> for my I ended birthday, up buying I her. I, th I think you got me Sumerian. Yeah. Yeah, I got it was you Sumerian. Sumerian and Akkadian, I think. Yeah. I yeah, I believe that is correct. This this year she got me Malay folklore. <laughs> which We're is working fun. our way through the list. We are. <laughs> I guess I'm easy to get for you. You just gotta get, find like a folklore just book. Just find have. folklore. And when I run out of folklore, I have no fucking idea what I'm gonna start with. I don't think you'll ever run out. There's no end to it. Anyway, just to talk a little bit okay. more about yokai, they trace back to the eighth century. Or at least we can trace back mentions of them back to the eighth century. Although the illustrations really began in Japan's medieval period, which started at 1185 and ended in 1600. First recorded mention of Yuki Ona, it was by the poet Sogi, and he basically made a little comment that he was like, oh, I was in this area. I happened to see a Yukiona and it was this cool experience. And he wrote down his, his experience with the Yukiona. He says that he was walking, you know, it was in the winter, it was in the middle of a storm and he was walking by this frozen garden and he saw this woman standing there and she had a face as white as snow. She was young and beautiful but her hair was white as snow which really reminds me of the white wolf episode for anyone who listened to that albinism it, yeah that's it is kind of like an albinism thing although yukiona sometimes does have black hair depending on the particular description of the time he said white 
white hair, though. And then he, okay. he said that she was wearing this white, almost translucent kimono, which would not have been sufficient to keep her warm in the frosty weather, to say the least. <laughs> and so he's like, how are you not freezing to death, woman? He tried to speak I'm to her. I'm glad this dude was logical. Sorry. Yeah, I know. I know. I was like, okay, we have an almost see-through kimono. And, you know, at least his mind is going to, this poor woman is going to freeze her tits off. So. <laughs> not, ooh, boobs. Right. <laughs> he wasn't admiring the boobs. He was worried about them being frozen and falling off. Yes. Because they were too cold. Good so dude. I like Good him. on him, Mr. Poet Sogi. Anyway, he tried to speak to her and as soon as he did she vanished and so he asked around he was like I just had this crazy experience and the locals told him about the spirit of the snow who usually appeared during heavy snowfalls and so the way that he referred to her in this um, like oh I saw a Yukiona it kind of does imply that it was an existing piece of folklore for a lot longer before then he lived in the 15th century so if you're doing the math that means that she is over 500 years old <laughs> now so this this is an old one this is a well-documented yokai going back over 500 years and not someone that was made up in a manga but <laughs> but you know what I those ones really are valid like too that i mm -hmm. freaking liked how you get this mesh in like I don't know. You remember the yokai that was made up in a manga, the one of the murderous trees of folklore. It, it was it? a vampiric was tree. That. Yeah, it was in our murderous um, trees episode. And I episode. always thought that that was so cool. Uh huh. Because, um, like you know, it's it's like it's like to say that folklore doesn't end in I don't know the fifth century BC. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I love that because we as humans have a need for stories for so many different reasons. And to see that continue on and to see like a, an already rich folklore from a particular country just continue to grow and to become deeper and more interesting and added to is great. I, I think it should continue to grow and, and be awesome. And so that one, the one we're talking about, the murderous vampiric tree was created about 50 years ago. This one is about 500 years old, at least possibly older. So it is a tradition that continues to evolve and to exist. And I, I think that's wonderful. And I, I hope there are more, more yokai created that become embedded in the culture. Yukiona is said to live in the mountains, and she is this beautiful, ethereal woman. She is often described as one of the more ghost-like yokai, where sometimes she's transparent. She often floats and doesn't leave footprints. She kind of does have that like white, ghostly appearance to her. And she freezes people to death all the time. She is kind of like a, I'm a, I'm a turn you into a Malignant. living popsicle. <laughs> malevolent is probably a better word because when you say malignant I think tumors <laughs> but malevolent yeah she can definitely be malevolent but she's not always malevolent she is known to show mercy sometimes and to show kindness she frequently does murder people but sometimes not <laughs> she does actually have a tendency to show mercy especially to young people and children although she also has a tendency to just like 
kidnap children. So there's that. Yes. <laughs> Why is it always with the children? Go, you know, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting know. so much. I just really like yokai because I'm an absolute weeb. <laughs> That's okay. Embrace your weeby nature. I'm not going to judge. And Fern tells the best stories. So yeah, it's in, in every little piece, there's something I want to say something on. Go ahead. It's fine. It's Tell fine. Us. So she kind of does embody the pain and sorrow and loneliness of winter. She's off on her own. She's never, she's very rarely with other people, although sometimes, you know, she's often seen coming from the mountains or up in the mountains, up in the blizzard, out of the blue from the snow. And she brings with her a lot of pain and sorrow. And it is kind of a personification of the bleakness of winter. However, like I said, she is sometimes okay. merciful and she is sometimes kind. I want to tell you a story involving Yukiona. This was recorded by Lafcadio Hearn. And if you're like, that does not sound like a Japanese name, you would be correct. <laughs> he was an Irish slash Greek born person who was known as an American writer eventually moved to Japan. He married a Japanese woman. And during that time period, because uh, we're talking about the early 1900s, late 1800s, kind of turn of the century, in many yeah. cultures, there was a move to record folklore. And Lafcadio Hearn kind of got in on that, except for he was like, I'm going to record the folklore of this country that I am new to. Japan, I'm going to record a lot of folklore and culture as much as I can. And he he did put out a, a really important publication with everything he had recorded. And a lot of that would have been lost if he had not done so. So even though he is not Japanese, he was very important in transcribing and recording and preserving a lot of these old stories. Japanese folklore. Mm-hmm. Yep. The one that I'm going to tell you was recorded in 1904, to be specific, and it was recorded in Musashi province, which is no longer a province, by the way, <laughs> but it was then. <laughs> it was at the time that this was recorded. Certain facts okay. in the story point to it having been written sometime before, I believe it was 1868. Historians have gone back and said, like, based on place names and all of that, things changed after 1868 so this was a story that was made before 1868 but not recorded until 1904 just to be clear okay okay and by the way the book that he published was called Kwaidan stories and studies of strange things just in okay. case anyone wants to look that up in Musashi province there lived two woodcutters one was an old man named Mosaku and one was a young 18-year-old man named Minokichi. Every day, they would go take a ferry across a river, go up into the mountains, cut wood, and then bring it back over to sell to in the, the town where they lived. Okay. One day when they went over, there was a huge snowstorm. And as they were coming back to take the ferry across the river to get back home, they saw the ferry on the other side of the river and realized that the ferryman had left without them. And they were now going to be stuck in the mountains during this horrendous snowstorm, which is not good. I would actually cry. I mean, they were not thrilled about it. It is a, actually a very dangerous situation. Uh, I don't know how much experience our listeners 
listeners have with mountains, but uh, as someone who has caught hypothermia in the mountains before, it is actually a dangerous situation to be caught unprepared in cold weather in the mountains, like legitimately dangerous. And as someone who has her ATLS license, I can tell you that treating hypothermia sucks ass and it's really difficult to keep people from losing their limbs. It's a real, like, it's really complex. Once you get to the hypothermia uh-huh. stage and, you know, your limbs are starting to freeze off, then, yeah, really difficult. Guess what? It sucks to have it, too. So, see, you get both people's perspective, like the doctor and the patient. <laughs> yeah, my, my, prof- my official description is it sucks ass and I don't recommend it. One out of ten stars would not recommend. Same. <laughs> Same. Yes. Don't, yeah, don't do yeah, that. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> so they realized that they were going to have to figure out how to get through the night until like the ferryman came over the next day. And they decided, they were looking around and they're like, oh, the ferryman has a hut on this side of the river. To be clear, it's a very small hut. They're, we're talking about like six square feet, like tiny little thing, barely big enough to lay down in, I think. <laughs> how the fuck is six square feet? How does that work? Like, if I see apartments that are, like, 300 or 400, sometimes I'm like, what the fuck is this? How am I going to fit? Uh-huh. And these people were living on six square well, feet. Well, to be, to be clear, this isn't the ferryman's hut. This was more like a place that he could take shelter if he needed to while he was on that side of the river. Like, a place to kind of hang out, you know? Okay. The, it wasn't meant to be a house. It was meant to be, like, a place to take shelter from the elements which is exactly what they did they're like well i mean all we've got is this little hut and the ferryman won't mind because we're literally trying not to freeze to death so they go inside and the old man falls asleep right away but poor old minokichi he just is listening to the storm outside it's raging the wind is ripping through branches and shit are flying around and banging and he's freezing his little toes off and so he's having a really hard time falling asleep but slowly but surely he gets there and he drifts off minokishi however is awoken abruptly by snow blowing into his face (laughs) and he looks over oh dude yeah i know (laughs) he looks over and he realizes the door to the little hut has come open and he is no longer alone in well he wasn't alone in the first place but there is someone new <laughs> in there. I was like where did the other guy go the the other guy is still there just not moving and anyway he he looks up and by the snow light which is a thing snow is actually very very reflective i say this for crow's benefit yes. because she doesn't know no actually actually i do know and you know why i know because people tend to think that when scandinavian noir yes but also people tend to think that they don't need sunscreen when they go skiing oh yeah you fucking oh, yeah. need sunscreen Snowburn is a thing yeah no, you're right. That yes. that apps okay. I have experienced that as well. Not a big deal, but not comfortable. What like you, you might doing? as well. <laughs> like are you are, like what were you doing in your youth? Are we just going to rate all of your ex- I need to know more. I think anyone who has I spent will... any significant amount of time around snow has experienced some snowburn. Like it, it's very common snow is very reflective and even in the middle of the night when you have like any moonlight you really don't even i i feel like even when you don't have the moonlight the the snow just create it 
it reflects whatever light is out there and it, it is fairly bright. And this yeah. is this is what they say, like by the snow light, he sees a woman in the room, a woman who is okay. all in white and she is bent over Mosaku, the old man. So she's bent over Mosaku and she's blowing her breath on him. And her breath was like a bright white smoke. As soon as he sees her, she turns to him and she looks over him and stoops over him. He wants to cry out, but it's like his lungs are frozen and he can't make a sound. She's beautiful, he sees. Absolutely the most breathtaking creature he has ever seen. But something about her eyes terrifies him. She leans over lower and lower until her face is almost pressed up against his. Okay. Then she smiles and she says to no. him, I was going to treat you like the other man, but I oh God. can't help but feel a little Sorry. pity for you because you are so, so young. You're a pretty boy, Minokichi, and I will not hurt you now. But if you ever tell anyone, any single person about what you have seen this night, I will know and I will kill you. Remember. And with these words, she turns from him and passes through the doorway. Finally, he finds himself able to move and he springs up and he runs out and he looks out, but she's already gone. There's no sign of her. There are no footprints in the snow. There's no sign that she was ever there. And so part of him is already questioning, did this even happen? Or was this all a dream? He goes to check on the old man. He touches his cheeks and he realizes he's ice cold and not breathing. In other words, he is frozen solid and is now dead. Okay. Yeah. Rip, old man. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. indeed. And so what young dude decides to do is that he decides to go all Mulan and go, now all of Japan knows that you're here like a fucking idiot. <laughs> No, I doesn't he, he? he did not. He did Tell not. Me I'm wrong. You are wrong. He did not do that. That was not his approach. His first thing was just like get through the night alive. And so he hunkers down, waits for dawn, and by the time the sun rises, the the storm is over, and the ferryman comes back to the the little hut and he finds Minokichi lying there, passed out senseless, and the old man frozen and so he the ferryman takes care of minokichi helps revive him you know breathes a little life into him helps him recover and then takes him across back to the other side now minokichi is so terrified by the experience which by the way does have elements of sleep paralysis where he can't move he can't make yes. a sound he can't scream yeah yeah Anyway, so once he's better, once Minokichi has had a chance to recover um, from nearly freezing to death, he starts going back to work. He takes the same path back into the by the ferry into the mountain, chops wood, brings it back into the town to sell, and his mom helps him sell it. One evening, late in the winter of the following year, He's on his way home, and he sees this woman who happens to be traveling the same road. 
and she's young. She's about his age, you know, because he's he's young too. She's tall. She's slim. She's beautiful. And when he greets her, she answers in a beautiful, pleasant voice, like a songbird. <laughs> he walks up beside her. He starts talking, chatting her up, you know, getting to know her. And she says her name is Oyuki. Now, you might think like, oh, Yuki, Yukiona, it, it sounds similar. It's because both names have the word snow in them, Yuki. FYI, Oyuki, names with Yuki in them, uh, snow-related names, are actually very common in Japan. So he's getting to know Yuki. She says that she recently lost both of her parents and that she's going to Yido, where she is hoping to meet up with some of her relatives who are going to help her find a job as a servant. Mino Kichi, however, is like, I like this girl a lot. She's beautiful. She's nice to talk to. And so he's like, well, has anyone put a ring on it yet? And she's like, no, no, I'm a free songbird. I can do whatever I want. He kind of persuades her to come and stay with them. He's like, you know what? You're, you've got a long journey. You need a place to rest. You need a warm meal. Come pop by mine. My mom will make you a good meal, warm you up, get you going. And she does. She comes over meets his mom and she's so nice and so pleasant and so well behaved that Minokichi's mom loves her and she's like you know what you gotta put a ring on this you gotta you gotta nail that down because this is this is a keeper and that is exactly like this well it's what happens they get married okay and they both seem happy with it like this is not a sit <laughs> I know sometimes when you have folklore related marriages there's like kind of questionable aspects like the whole marrying a selkie by stealing her coat her her fur which always seems like a shitty or thing arranged to do. marriages who mm-hmm. are like they're obviously arranged and the girl has no say but she pretends like she does have a say which mm-hmm. we feel you girl yeah I want to make clear that this is not what's happening here both of these two are into it they both seem to really like each other there's a lot of flirting going back and forth and they both seem to want to get married and so this by all indications should be a very happy marriage because it's one that both of them want Oyuki ended up being a really good daughter-in-law. Minokichi's mom absolutely loved her. She did pass her, the mother passed later on, but her very last words were to say like how amazing her daughter-in-law was and how much she loved her. Oyuki and Minokichi had 10 children, count them 10 boys and girls. I know, I know. I mean, how are those kids are gonna die? Why are they gonna die? Oh, wait, because you're talking about like during the 1800s, a lot of kids died. Okay, I see your point. Yes, yes. Statistics. But I guess that did not happen. The 10 kids were all healthy, beautiful, and very fair-skinned, very light-skinned. Everyone in the the area loved Oyuki. She was just really sweet, very kind, very easy to get along with, with. Even as she got older, she didn't seem to age. She was just as beautiful years into the marriage after 10 children 
as she was when Minokichi first met her. Which, girl, I don't know. Like, stop setting unrealistic standards. For the rest of us, it's not quite appreciated. (laughs) One night, this is like years and years into their marriage, after the children had gone to sleep, Oyuki is sewing. She's doing some late night sewing by the light of the paper lamp. And Minokichi is watching her and he's just like, seeing you sew there, the light illuminating your face, it makes me think of this thing that happened, this crazy thing that I saw when I was 18 years old. I saw someone then who was just as beautiful as you are now, and I've never seen anyone else who was oh, quite like that. And she plays it cool. She doesn't even look up from her sewing, and she's like, oh, tell me about her. Where did you see her? And Minokichi fucks up. this man kept the secret for years and years probably decades at this point and he's about to shit the bed i fucking knew it he tells her all about that terrible night in the ferryman's hut he tells her about the white woman that had killed the old man next to him and only just spared him because he was so young And he said, that was the only time in my life I have ever seen anyone as beautiful as you are. Which, you know, like, take the compliment and just let it go, right? Take the compliment and let it go. But no, she's not going to. (laughs) And he, he did actually say, like, I was never sure if that was actually a dream or if I saw Yukiona. Oyuki, at this point is done playing it cool. She throws the sewing down on the floor and she goes over to Minokichi and she is shrieking in his face and she's like, that was me, you bitch. That was me. Oyuki, it was me. And I told you then that I would kill you if you ever said one word about it. And if it weren't for these 10 children sleeping right now, all around here because i imagine they've got to be like 10 kids where do you put them if it weren't for these 10 kids i would kill you this moment but she decided to spare him again however she did leave him with a warning and that was that if he did not take very 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 good care of their children and if they ever had any reason to complain about him she would come back and murder him wait so she left I was about to say that. (laughs) So she's screaming and she begins to like melt into a bright white mist. And that mist went out basically through the roof beams and she was never seen again. But yes, she did leave. What is it about folklore women and abandoning their kids? I know, right? Oh my gosh. Like, obviously she cared about the kids. And that is actually a common theme with uh, the Yukiana thing. There are a lot of kids in the folklore, but a lot of times they're not trying to hurt the kids. They're trying to protect the kids, although they have been known to kidnap some kids. They just can't get enough kids. I mean, like 10 kids here kidnapping some kids on the street. God damn. I know. I know. No, that is, that is actually one of the things is when there would be like a big snowstorm blowing through and you could hear like stuff rattling around the outside of the house they'd be like oh Yukiona's here you better not go outside because she will snatch up the little kids so that that was one of those like cautionary tales that you would tell kids to keep them from going out in the storm 
because there are kids out there like me who would go out in the storm. <laughs> I was so bad. And, and that is actually one of the things that they think is the whole point of Yukiona is to scare people into treating storms with proper respect. Because if you have this terrifying story about like this woman who's out there who will freeze you to death, it kind of personifies the danger of these winter storms, which are is very, very real. In fact, I, I know I've been reading about a whole bunch of people who have died in these recent winter storms, unfortunately, uh, even despite all of our advances in technology and, you know, our ability to heat homes and things better, there's still a very, very real risk. And so there is a belief that that might be a a way of personifying the very real danger of these storms to try and impress upon people, especially children, which is probably why they feature so heavily in these stories, the dangers of winter storms. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another one that deals with kids. So this one is from Hirosaki. It mm. said there that Yukiona would often appear with a small child. And when she would come across a stranger, she would ask the stranger to hug the child. It seems like such a weird request. Maybe there's something cultural here I'm, I'm missing. She would get pretty annoyed if you said no, like she'd just toss you into the next valley or something like that. But if you did hug the child, what often would happen is you would get colder and colder and the weight of the child would get heavier and heavier until you found yourself covered in snow and unable to move and you slowly froze to death. So I fucking die either way. Unless you somehow manage to survive being tossed into the next valley. But there is a story about a clever bushi warrior who managed to survive this. He was walking along, traveling, and he came across a Yukiona who asked him to hug a child. And the warrior agreed, but he took a short sword Uh, Tanto, and he put it in his mouth and he hugged the child while making the the blade go closer to the child's head. Yeah, which prevented the the whole, like, gonna freeze and bury you in snow kind of thing until you die. And so he hugged the child and was able to get back, like, let go. And once he did, Mm -hmm. he hands the child back to Yukiona and... Mm. The Yukiana was like, oh, this is fantastic. You did such a good job hugging this child. I thought she would be pissed. No, no, she was happy. She gave him a lot of treasures and said, like, thanks for hugging the kid. I, I appreciate it. Appreciate you, bro. Here, have some treasure. The moral of the story is, I guess, hold knives to children's throats. <laughs> This one is a weird one. I have to admit, this one is a little odd. But they do say, like, anyone who can survive the the ever-increasing weight of the this, like, child's embrace will be granted great physical strength, which, you know, for a warrior is ideal. So that worked out pretty well for him. One thing that it did kind of make me think of, because they talk about the ever-increasing weight kind of like being buried in snow, and I think that might be mm-hmm. a, a, another way of personifying the danger of snow in that like the weight of snow adds up more than you think it does anyone who has lived in 
areas that get really, really heavy snow knows this. There's a reason that houses are built with slanted roofs and it's because if you had a flat roof and the snow piled up it would just cave in it wouldn't support the weight of the snow basically if you're not paying attention to how the snow is building up there's a very real danger of being buried in it and not being able to get out because it's heavier than you think it can collapse things it can build up on you without you noticing it can build up on you know on on different things and create dangerous situations and so that is I think what we're supposed to get out of that like be wary of the buildup of heavy dangerous snow that that's my best guess on that one (laughs) fair okay Uh fine yeah I thought it was just don't hug children you know (laughs) it worked the hug worked out for him it did because he got like extra strength he got a whole bunch of treasure all he had to do was threaten a kid with a knife but you know what the oddity of folklore is actually something that i really love like how weird it gets and how unexplainable it gets like just the random things like here hug this kid and i'm gonna try and like you know make the kid weigh so much that you are like unable to carry it anymore but if you survive you get money like what weird sort of folklorish game show nightmare is this i mean but i love it i love i love the oddity of it i love it too that's what i've always loved about japanese weird fiction Uh too it's that again people just don't question the oddity all the characters sort of just go with it Uh which really fucks with the whole kafka-esque cognitive dissonance yeah and it's also odd in a way that's entertaining it's not just gross odd i mean i'm pretty sure that there are gross Japanese stories out there. Oh, yeah. Most of them are just odd in a way that you can see happening in real life, kind of. Yeah. So... Although I can't see this happening in real life, but upsetting. <laughs> but yeah, it you know like in your your last uh, episode that you did, we talked about the symbolism of dreams and how it speaks to something inside of us, I, and I think folklore very much taps into that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Okay, I wanted to uh, tell you another version real quick, because a lot of the Yukiona stories, they kind of get into ghost story-ish territory where you can imagine different people telling other people, like, maybe around the fire on a cold winter night, sharing stories about Yukiona and maybe people making up their own little experiences and how that would be kind of like a growing up kind of thing. Here's one one of the stories that I feel like hits into that like ghost story aesthetic. Okay. So this man, he took this wife he got married to this beautiful woman who, again, fit the Yukiona aesthetic. Very pale skin, absolutely gorgeous. On a cold winter's night, he was like, listen, you got to go take a warm bath or you're going to freeze your little toes off. And she's like, well, I don't really want to. And he keeps pressuring her, like, go take a bath, go take a bath. And she's like, no, 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 I don't want to. Finally, he does not relent, and she she's like, fine, fine, I'll go do it. So she goes and she t- takes a warm bath, and when he goes to check on her, he sees in the tub, she's nowhere to be seen, but there are these fragments of melted icicles floating in the water, and Girl. that then she was never seen again. What a way to go. <laughs> she was a Yukiona all along. <laughs> 
It's the whole kind of thing like where you think you're talking to a, a normal person and then something wild happens and all of a sudden you realize it's all been a lie. She was a Yukiona all along. All along. There were a lot of theories about the origins of the Yukiona folklore. There was a belief at one point that when there was a lot of something, it would cause things to be spontaneously born. Like if there was a lot of water, fish would spontaneously generate in the water. If there's a lot of open air, birds would spontaneously generate within the air. And if there's a lot of snow... It could potentially be like, oh, there a Yukiona just spontaneously generates within the snow. And that was one theory about how Yukionas were created. That was like one of those century old ones that I thought was like too interesting to not tell. Because <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, it's, it's this beautiful mix of like medieval times science and their total lack of understanding of science and folklore and I think it's gorgeous I love it what do you think there was a lot of when humans sprouted into existence well according to a lot of mythology it's like dirt and mud that humans spring from that's interesting Mm -hmm. no that's interesting though because I know that in a lot of or in some, not a lot of, religions like for example in Islam people believe that humans were created from mud yeah, no, I'm I'm saying like this is part of the creation mythology for many cultures. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. Now, being like a little bit more realistic about where this story could have come from, there are a few theories that have been put forth today. One is that she evolved from an older le- legend, an older mythology, where she was some sort of mountain goddess, a, a deity. And as time went by and people stopped believing in that particular religion, the understanding and existence of her continued on. A lot of people point to the fact that she's not always malevolent. Sometimes she does show mercy and kindness to people. Sometimes she does not, though. <laughs> I haven't seen it so far. I know. she's. There's, there's a lot more examples of her, like, freezing people or, like, abandoning her children than there are uh, of her... <laughs> actually saving someone. A decent person. Yeah. There's also a theory out there that she was originally some sort of Toshigami. Now, Toshigami is one of those things where it's like one specific deity, but also a generic name for certain types of deities. They're deities of the year. They're believed to be like spirits of ancestors and and things like that. And so there's a belief that maybe she was originally some sort of Toshigami and the legend evolved from there into the Yukiona. She is an example of a white lady, the the mysterious and ghostly white woman in Japan. Yes. And that European folklore. Yeah, well the white woman is something that is not unique to European folklore. It's something that is spread surprisingly far and I'm not sure if it's because we've shared this idea across cultures or if it's just that that is such a powerful aesthetic that many people in many different places arrive to it on their own. Yeah. If I had to say like three things that she is closely tied to, I would say snow, obviously, mm-hmm. ghosts because there is kind of this like okay. ghostly thing and children. 
because mm-hmm. the chil- one way or another, children pop up in this this mythology again That's and again true. and again. Yeah, her legend is still very much alive today. People still write stories. She's included in movies, in TV shows, in manga, anime, and even some ones that you probably have heard of. For example, there is a Yukiona Yu-Gi-Oh card. Yes. And there is also a Pokemon based on Yukiona. (laughs) I'm not super familiar with Pokemon, so this was not helpful to me. But to anyone who is, Frostless, I hope I'm saying that right. Frostless is supposedly based on Yukiona. And I did Google it to look at it. And it is kind of a cool looking Pokemon. It it is more um, humanoid in shape with a big red bow tied around its waist and white dress obviously so yeah if you're into pokemon there you go there is a yukiona pokemon (laughs) hide your children hide your (laughs) children that's right it still has to do with children because like so many kids get into pokemon in fact my little nephew gets a pokemon every week for doing his homework (laughs) (laughs) which i think is precious and you know what if he does his homework because of it I guess Pokemon is he doing great. I know. <laughs> I think it's cute. He, he he was showing me his little book of Pokemon cards over Christmas. Oh, it was cute. Oh, his little book of Pokemon cards. <laughs> yep. It's adorable. Anyway, so that that is uh, a yokai that is very much a lot. Well, the mythology is alive and well, and still very much being incorporated into modern you just storytelling. Just insult the fucking Yukiona on the podcast, my guy. She will come for us. I didn't insult. Her. I said she's her she mythology probably is alive and well she probably is somewhere out there oh well I said her mythology is alive and well so I don't know why that's an insult you corrected yourself so that means that you don't believe that she is alive and well oh possibly well I'll send her Apologize. over to you so you can finally experience snow fam <laughs> do not send her over to me <laughs> But I'm she... already dealing with a cat with hands. Uh, well, anyway, that's the story of Yukiona. I wanted to do like a, a proper yokai one for a while. And I I just thought like with all of the wintry season that we're getting uh, with the intense snows that she would be an, an interesting choice. So now everyone who is dealing with the snowstorms can be distracted by looking outside and being afraid that Yukiona is coming for them. Or not, you know, just let your imagination go wild. Thank you for distracting. <laughs> Everyone thank Fern. I don't think they wanted this distraction, this particular distraction. I'm sorry. Hey, <laughs> you're buried under a ton of snow. Also, there's a ghost lady that's, that's going to come for your guts and your children. So picky. Oh my gosh, there's no pleasing crow. There's, yeah, I need specific ways to die. I haven't decided yet. Okay. All right, well. Keep going through folklore and I'll pick one. <laughs> I don't know that I love that, but okay. <laughs> Yay. So that is our story for today. Um, any thoughts, Crow? My thoughts are I don't feel like she's a ghost because from the characteristics that you presented, she doesn't really strike me as a human spirit or something that was born of a human spirit. And I don't maybe maybe ghosts can be born of anything. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. She struck me as more of a 
nature spirit kind of so that's what kept going through my brain uh-huh the second thing is that i'm not surprised about the whole children thing because that's a running theme in folklore in general uh-huh. um and i think it's because like it's not just a message to the children but also a message to neglectful parents not to let their dumbass kids running around and i don't know Minus 50 degree weather. Well, a large part of folklore is scaring children into not doing stuff that will get them killed. So, yeah, Yeah. it is a running theme. (laughs) Yeah. She struck me as a lot more, like, eloquent and regal and just elegant compared to other ghosts Uh that I've heard about. Because mostly ghosts just, like, scream in your face and, I don't know, suck your soul through your place where the soul is. She did do some screaming at the end. Yeah, like, she got pissed because the dude was a fucking Mm -hmm. idiot. Uh, and he talks about like, it. I literally one job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she is she is often portrayed as very regal, carrying herself like a beautiful, ethereal, and mysterious woman. Exactly. And and it would not surprise me because, like I did say, there are theories that she is derived from some sort of earlier deity, just kind of like a, an echo of beliefs of the past, and that yeah. frequently does yeah. happen. Yeah. Like. When you talk about folklore that is not directly tied to someone's religion, a lot of times it was a religious figure at one point. And then it morphed. People have moved on. Yeah, things often do morph as religion changes in an area. Stories about her persisted because they're interesting stories. And when you're sitting around a fire and it's cold and you hear the wind blowing and you have this great story about a, a snow woman... Of course you're going to tell it, even yeah. even if you're, the beliefs in the area have changed, you know? Like, it's a good time. Yeah, tell the yeah. story. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it ties back to the Christmas episode. Like, the whole origins of Christmas ghost stories are people wanting to warm up by the fire. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so they share these kinds of stories to sort of bond. Winter is a time of darkness. You know, it, it's a time yes. of beauty, but it's also a time of darkness and danger. And a lot of just trying to get through those cold months and not starve and not freeze. And so there has always been a dark underbelly to winter and Christmas and all of that because of the... Yeah. the heavy burden that winter is on people especially in areas that get significant amounts of snow exactly that was yukiana we're gonna go ahead and end it there crow where can they find us if you enjoyed this episode feel free to give us a follow we're available on amazon music spotify apple podcast or wherever else you get your podcasts if you really like this episode feel free to give us a review because we would love to hear what you think we're also available on social media instagram tiktok twitter and we have an email if you want to tell us about all of the weird happenings in your life or if you want to share stuff that you think that we should talk about in the meantime though we are going to sign off so this is crow and this is Fern. Bye. Signing off.